Hello, and welcome to Build Momentum, where we help education organizations blow past their competitors with strategies that make an impact. We think beyond traditional press releases and generic communication tactics and seek out big, bold ideas to create meaningful results for our clients. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent more than 15 years in public relations for the education sector, where our team has learned what works and what doesn't when it comes to PR. From launching groundbreaking new industry awards to landing sought-after panels at the most prestigious shows, we absolutely love this stuff. But the best part is we have an opportunity to interview some of the smartest people we know who share their knowledge and strategies for success right here on the show. If you enjoy what you hear, we would so appreciate if you please take a moment to drop us a review on whatever platform you listen. And if you want to learn more about us, visit swpr-group.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Let's dive into the show. So on today's episode, we have Tom Burton with us. Tom is the superintendent of Princeton City Schools, located just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate being here. I love this platform. Yes, me too. Thanks so much for joining us. So I had the opportunity to meet Tom at a recent Institute for Education Innovation event. Most of you know it as IEI. And Tom was willing to join me on Build Momentum to share his experience and some of his success as a superintendent. So Tom, would you mind starting off by talking about your journey through education? Because I know, I believe you started as a teacher. Is that right? I did. So, you know, I always share this story because I think sometimes when you're, you know, 12, 13, 14, even into the teens later, you know, you don't always know which way to go and you don't always make great decisions. So I certainly took an unconventional pathway to the superintendency. If you look all the way back to my high school years, you know, I only went to school primarily because I had to be eligible to play sports. So didn't really value the great education that was literally a gift to me. So I didn't even value that. Then ultimately, I was able to go to college. I had to start at a community college which I think, what a great way to start because loving, caring people there that really had this lifelong learning philosophy that really helped me. And then I ended up going to Texas Tech and then Slippery Rock, where I graduated from, fortunate enough to play a little bit of basketball. So that was awesome. And then ended up going into teaching at a, a parochial school and then went to Mexico for a little bit then came back, went to the college route, coaching and teaching. And then ultimately settled into, after getting a master's and my administrative license, settling into Cleveland Heights, University Heights schools, which is where I graduated from, the Cleveland Heights High School. That's so cool. Heights High for all those Heights High people. So I was there and then ended up going into another district where I was assistant principal, then principal in that same district that moved to be a principal someplace else, in central office, moved to Cincinnati seven years ago as associate superintendent and now as superintendent for the last four years. I love that story, especially that you went back to your own high school. That's powerful. So what led you to your interest in becoming a superintendent? You know, it's interesting because I've had, I really had great opportunities in my life. And one of those was I was able to write a column, whatever I wanted to, and it was great. And it was in, uh, first it was National Middle School Middle Ground, and then it turned into AMLE. Association for Middle-Level Educators. And so I was able to do some columns and I could write about anything I wanted to. One of those ones that never got published was Caught in the Gears. And that's what I think happens sometimes to educators. And I feel like it happened to me. 
So, you know, you, you teach and coach and do all this other stuff. And then people are like, oh, my goodness, you do such a good job. You should go into administration. And then you're assistant principal. And they're like, oh, my goodness, you should be a principal. And it goes on and on and on. So I really kind of got caught in the gears of just kind of wanting to go to the next step. Not necessarily even the true inner desire to do that. I feel you just get caught sometimes. And so many people talk about it. And if you don't ascend, you almost feel like you haven't accomplished much. And so before I was 40 years old, I certainly wanted to be a superintendent and then had some opportunities to do so, chose not to, and other times didn't win the contract negotiation phase. But ultimately, it really was because of extending your scope of influence. So I feel like being able to work with a great team. I have an unbelievable leadership team at Princeton. I love them so much. They work so hard. We all focus on empowering each student for college, career, and life success, which is our mission statement. So I think ultimately, Sarah, very long-winded. I apologize. But ultimately, it specifically was to continue to extend the scope of influence and really work with a great group of people to change and save lives. Well, that sounds like a good reason to me. I love that. (laughs) So you mentioned Princeton. I want to learn more about Princeton because I know you have a unique student body. So tell us about that. Well, I love our student body. And we were very fortunate seven years ago to be able to, they had to have a job here at Princeton. There was, there was a job I wanted. But the diversity of the district is really what drew me. We have among the most diverse student populations in the state of Ohio. And it is absolutely amazing. Every single day, you're able to be exposed to and have this great conversations and connections with students from literally all over the world. And that doesn't always happen. So Princeton is so beautifully, uniquely diverse, not only in the student population, but also in the course offerings. Okay. So we have the oldest international baccalaureate program in the state of Ohio. We have full AP program, advanced placement. We have a STEAM program. We have CCP, College Credit Plus program, honors program. Our arts are literally seen as among the best in the state of Ohio. Our music program is through the roof as well. Multiple years in a row recognized as best communities in music education. Five Hall of Fame elementary schools. Wow. And literally the list goes on and on. And, you know, right after I give all these nice accolades, this is what I say. We are far from perfect. And we work hard every day to get better. And while I don't think we're sick, you don't have to be sick to get better. And so that's really kind of a mantra that we have at Princeton. That sounds like a very special place. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome to join. Come see it. I'd love to show you around. It's amazing. I just might. That sounds fantastic. So, okay. I saw a recent article where you talk about diversity. And I've heard a couple of people say this recently. Shamari Jones believes in this as well. But Diversity happens every single day of the year. It's just not a calendar designated occasion. And I love that perspective. And I love that you shared that. Couldn't agree more. What are some of the tools and resources and partnerships that you've been able to implement throughout Princeton to support your community? And I know you also are a League of Innovative Schools. So tell me about that too. There's a lot there. I know, I know. (laughs) So really, when you look at all those different facets you brought up, we're very proud to be one of 114 school districts in the country that are in the League of Innovative Schools. And in fact, next week, we have our spring convening. So all those districts are going to be coming to Cincinnati, actually. So it's going to be wonderful. We'll take part in it. Amazing. It's going to be hosted by Middletown City Schools and Lakota Schools. And Lakota is contiguous to us. Middletown is not far from us. 
So we're blessed to have so many schools in the region that are in the League of Innovative Schools. And we come together, we share problems, we have all these different cohorts. One is a teacher color pipeline. Another one is work on equity. There's another one with technology. There's so many exploratory opportunities we have to connect with great leaders from around the country. Yeah. Shout out to Digital Promise and Dwayne from the league. They're a client of ours. Oh, really? He's amazing. Yeah. Tim Smith, amazing. I mean, so many wonderful, wonderful people there. And it's great because since I'm not a great leader, it's great to be around other great leaders. Oh, please. You know what I mean? (laughs) So anyway, that's really great. Now, going back to the article question, you know, I was blessed. Cleveland Heights was probably the most diverse or among the most diverse in the state when I was there. And it turned into this like all-American city. There was great value for diversity. And while we had struggles in the 70s, when I was in middle school or junior high at that point, really in high school, by and large, was a love fest. Like everybody got along with everybody. And, you know, we didn't have racial tensions when I was in high school. They did before, but not when I was there. Not because of me. I just think it was this understanding that We live in a world that should be free of inequities, bias, prejudice, and that's really kind of how we roll, if you will. When I go back to Cleveland, it is, oh my goodness, so fun, and we get together with lots of high school friends. Also, people I coached, people I taught, and it's nice to be around people that are different than you. And that's what I think is one of the huge values of Princeton, is a diversity. My son is a graduating senior this year. And last of our children, thank you, thank you. And the other two graduated as well. My daughter Kaylee graduated from Princeton 17, graduated from University of Cincinnati last year. Our son Bryce graduated in 19 from Princeton, plays football at UC. Actually, we just were at the combine yesterday, which was awesome experience to see one of Bryce's teammates, actually two of his teammates. And he plays football and the diversity for those two, when they went to Cincinnati, they have friends all over the place. While some of their counterparts were struggling to get along with other people because of different viewpoints, our kids really flourished there. And of course, our youngest, Tommy, is really having a ball. And he had a party the other night. It literally was like the United Nations. It was so beautiful. And that's like for us to grow, I think, as a country and as a world. And you see what's happening right now in in Russia and everything going on there. It's just we need to do things differently and we need to value each other more. And so that really was the essence of that article. Yeah, no, that was a great article. I'll include a link to that in the show notes too, because I loved your comments and I love what you guys are doing. It was pretty impressive. Okay, so we've all been there, waiting until the very last minute to pull together a conference proposal for an important upcoming industry event. You know that dreaded moment when you realize you put this off until that reminder email pops up in your inbox on what is most likely already a busy day. So you pull something together, you read it over, and you think this is pretty good. You hit submit and you don't think about it for another three months. Then all of a sudden, when it's completely slipped your mind, you get the email you were hoping wouldn't come. Thank you for applying. We received hundreds of submissions and we regret to inform you that your proposal was not accepted. But we still encourage you to register for the conference and purchase a booth. That rejection can be deflating and it definitely gets old when it keeps happening over and over. Trust us, we've been there too. We know how you feel. But the good news is we've learned what works and what doesn't work when submitting proposals. And we've created a framework for success that has dramatically increased our acceptance rate. 
It all begins with just a few simple shifts to land significantly more of those congratulations, your proposal has been accepted emails. If you're ready to up your proposal game and start landing some big airtime at industry conferences, go to swpr-group.com and click on the contact us button and let us know you're ready to get started. Proposal season kicks off in a couple weeks and we want you ready. Okay, so I know, Tom, you're also super passionate about fostering relationships with the business community. And I know you have a bunch of partnerships going on and programs. So tell us about that. I, I love that as well. Well, thank you, Sarah. So this piece is, I mean, it's hard for me not to get giddy about it because four years ago, we had 38 business partners. And I remember I was standing in front of everybody and I kind of got irked, to be honest. And I'm like, there should be more businesses here. And so I said, the reason why there's not more businesses here is because schools across the country just say, what can businesses do for us? And really, it was, we needed to flip the question. And that's what we did. So I said, you will not hear me ask for anything other than you need to let me know what we can do for you. So how can we help you? And for the next year, I said, we're going to have over 100 business partners here the same time next year. People thought I was crazy which I am for other reasons. <laughs> but when I looked at this, it really was incredible. We had over 100 a year later. We have over 500 right now and really authentic partnerships with uh, some huge Fortune 500 companies, but also with companies that are kind of mom and pop shops that we're able to help with kids with job shadowing, internships, direct employee. We've, I heard something the other day. We've had over 300 kids in four years that we've been able to place different places and help kids with that. So it's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. And so we have, we're part of this GE Next Engineer program, and we have six of our kids in it currently that when they graduate, they'll get $20,000 to help them with college, specifically in the engineering track. We have a great program at University of Cincinnati and National Institute of Health with Action Research. We have early IT with the University of Cincinnati. We've partnered before with, oh my goodness, with Hocking College, University of Miami. We have a great program right now with Central State, Ohio State, Xavier, Gateway Community College, and really trying to pull people together for other programming. So partnerships are critical for us because we know and we believe that we can help resolve one of the biggest issues that we have right now, and that's a workforce shortage. Oh my gosh. Say it again. The great resignation. I mean, I think it's so important that you flipped it around. It's how can we provide value for you? I mean, that's how we should all be thinking about everything. It's not about us. It's about how we can provide value for others. And that's how you were so successful. Has that program, any of your programs been replicated at other districts? Yeah. So we've had many people that have come to talk to us. I've done presentations of across to districts across the country, virtually, but also a couple in person. And there's a lot of people that have a lot of interest. Now, if there's anybody listening that attended one of my presentations, or you came to visit, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other people. There's some leaders that see the work, and it's overwhelming. And so what happens is they are like, I can't get to 500 next year. Despite what I say, they get overwhelmed with a thought of staying and being so focused. Now, Trisha Roddy, our director of communications, and I were pounding the pavement. So I was blessed to have Trisha. 
We have Tanya Key now who helps do the work as well. Anna Martinez, who helps do the work now as well. Now, they have other responsibilities, many other responsibilities, but it's that focus and that intentionality to reach out and encourage people, businesses to get involved. And we invite people to our business community partnership breakfast, which we've had as many as 300 there. I mean, just absolutely mobbed in the cafeteria. Our students are interacting with businesses. It's amazing. So when people see the volume of people walking in the door, there's unfortunately from a leadership perspective, sometimes instead of building the momentum, right, what they do is they see the rock and they don't try to move it. And that's what I think, you know, the heaviest of all rocks, if you look at this metaphorically, it's hard to start moving. But once you get it moving, it's all the momentum in the world. That's what I was going to say. It's for those people who this sounds intimidating, it's just take action, take that first step. What do you think the first step should be if they were going to take that first step, Tom? Well, Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell, a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts, the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in EdTech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group the EdTech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting Edmentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's changemakers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high-quality content, creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com. First of all, see who you're working with already. See the different partnerships that you have. Write those down list and give yourself a pat on the back because you're doing more right now than what you think you are. Then there's big employers in your district that need your help. And if you call them, they may be thinking, oh, school's calling to ask for something. But it's really, really important to make sure that you reach out and let them know that you would like to start a partnership program. You're not asking for anything. How can we help get some of our students to your business. And I think that's really the first thing and make a list of all the businesses around, see if you have any contacts and then start slowly. And, you know, I go back and I say this every once in a while and Sarah, you're probably too young to remember Laverne and Shirley. I'm a big fan. Okay, big fan, big fan. All right, so in that, when Laverne was sad or Shirley was sad and feeling like they couldn't do it, they sang High Hopes. And it's like, just what makes that little old aunt think he can move a rubber tree plant. 
Well, anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant, but the ant has high hopes, right? And so it's really not about hope. To me, it's about faith that you can get things done. And I fully 100% believe that if you just start, make that first step, the first connections, and even if it's really, really small, bring them in. Tell them you're going to start a brand new workforce advisory council and get them in, get them talking and see what you could do. Now, in the state of Ohio, we're able to actually get kids that aren't 18 into some fields that normally would require them to be 18 because the Ohio Revised Code relaxed some regulations if you have a pre-apprenticeship program. So check with your state, I say, because the state may have different programs that will help you and you can help the businesses learn more about that. Such good advice. And then we also have a ton of ed tech companies that listen to this podcast. So on the flip side, reach out to districts to see how you can partner with them. Yeah, totally. So, so true. And I know this and, you know, I've 100 years ago, I did some consulting with businesses and that was always a thing to me that's funny. I get, well, let me check right now. Let me check right now. I'll tell you how many emails. So I had zero emails an hour ago. I have 68 right now. Is that all ed tech companies? Out of 68, well, let me pull it up. Here's a WhatsApp kind of debate conversation. Here's a camp that wants us to go there. Here's another entity, another business that is trying to go. So one, two, three, four, five, six. The so first page, seven, eight, nine, ten, about 12. 12 of those out of 40 on the first page of my screen are like I'm deleting right away. But if people call and they want to engage and say, listen, we're not selling. We want to help you help businesses or we want to help you help kids and start small or provide something that will provide value. And actually, that's happened multiple times with people we partner with and we pay right now because they engaged with us trying to solve a problem. Imagine. Yeah, it was so amazing. Imagine the difference. I know. Okay, so we are almost out of time. We could talk for another hour, I think, Tom. But I know you did a TED Talk on taking action, and that's actually what we just talked about. So tell us how that TED Talk came about and a little bit about that talk. Sure. So I get on Soapboxes, which is ironic because the title of the magazine that did that article is called Soapbox, Soapbox Cincinnati. Uh, but I get on Soapbox every once in so a while. I get a little bit passionate, I'll say, others would say fired up. So my passion led me to really start asking myself some deep questions. And it's the questions and how we resolve those questions that lead us to like more fulfillment in life. So one of the things I talked about in the TED Talk was if you're not happy with where you are, understanding you're not happy is one thing. But asking the question why you're not happy or where else do you feel you could go to be happy? I think confronting those questions are really critical. And when I kind of got on my soapbox, I thought about my kids and like my son would ask question after question and my daughter would ask these questions. My youngest would ask all these questions. And as they got older, they stopped asking questions. And one of the greatest instructional methodologies is Socratic seminar. And that's all based about questioning. And so when I did that, somebody reached out to me about a TED Talk and about if I would like to speak there. And then, you know, I submitted a proposal and they're like, it'll be great. And I'm like, awesome. And then I went and it was probably supremely average. If anybody is having problems with insomnia, look up Tom Burton Resolve and it'll put you to sleep after a minute and 22 seconds. I don't agree. I thought it was very good. I thought it was good. And we're going to link to it. I think everyone's going to watch. I love it. Okay. I love that. Right. Okay. And then we have three minutes. Tell us about your book, Mark of Leadership, and then we'll sign off. 
Okay, very quickly, <laughs> very quickly. Mark a leadership is something that I feel like we all do as leaders. When we're done, retired, move on or whatever, the true mark of leadership is what stays after you leave. Now, I will tell you, sometimes I've left organizations or places where there's a couple things that have stayed, that have really stuck, which is great, right? Other times, like there are these wonderful programs I thought would stay forever. And when I left, they were gone. So it's really about the fact that as leaders, we need to be humble enough to realize it during the moment of uh, what we can do to help uh, culturally develop programs and processes that really are going to stay long after you leave. So the book, Mark of Leadership, and it's about passion, it's about purpose, and it's about plans. Uh, not necessarily my best work, but certainly something that I think People can pick and choose some things out of the book to be able to help. So it starts with some questions, of course. There's some meat, and then there's some other follow-up questions. And there's some cool little things, you know, the perfect patch. Right now, it's probably a perfect time for everybody to read that because we spend a lot of time looking at other people's grass. Yeah. And the one thing we notice all the time is that grass is green. And Maybe not, depending upon what type of grass you have, right? Maybe brown like it is. In depending on how much fertilizer you use. Exactly. Uh, but ultimately, I think we spend so much time looking at what other people have, counting other people's dollars, cars, houses, time, instructional settings, number of students in school, wealth of a district. We spend so much time doing that. And businesses do it all the time as well. But what we need to do is take a look straight down value where we are at that time and try to make the best of where you are. And not surprisingly, right, the metaphor, the perfect patch, right? Somebody else's grass may seem really green and may seem perfect because they fertilize it. But the true nutrients, while we could argue scientifically about that, but it's just what we do consistently. When you apply fertilizer, you don't do that all the time. What you do to have really green grass and a great garden is water. So metaphorically, that's what we need to do from a leadership perspective to help grow other people, grow the environment where you are and realize it is not you, it is the team. And again, I'm so blessed to have an amazing, amazing team here that lift me up, that allow me to go out and connect with other people because they're doing the work in the district. That is a beautiful way to close this out. Thank you, Tom. This has been so great. Where can people find you if they want to reach out? LinkedIn? Sure. Yeah. LinkedIn for sure. At Viking Diff Super. Not that I'm super, but short for superintendent. So at Viking Diff Super. Also at Viking Diff One on Instagram. And hey, give me a call if you have any thoughts or questions. 440-708-4800. And the first five people that call me will get a free book. How about that? I love that. Okay. Beautiful. All right, Tom, I'm so grateful to have you on the show. Let's talk again soon. I'm interested to hear how many people call you too. Let's stay in touch. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, we'd be so grateful. This helps other listeners find and learn about our show. And please reach out if you're interested in learning more about how we can elevate the leaders of your organization with our PR services. If you'd like, you can even shoot me a direct email at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at swpr-group.com. I look forward to hearing from you and we will see you next time.